ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into another episode of Infection Podcast. My name is Nick Craig. You can follow me uh, verified on Twitter, not, not crazy, at Nicholas uh, M. Craig. You can check out our website, infectionpodcast.com. Alongside me, as always, Brian Aldrich. What's going on, buddy? Hope all's well. Uh, it's going very well. If you want to find me, you can get me at Boising Peter on Twitter as well, or at Brian Aldrich on Gab, Getters, True Social, or whichever one of those are still up. Who knows which one? Which Gab is still up. Alive. True Social is still up. Um, it's not called Getter. Twitter. Uh, no, Getter's gone. And that's the one that, is it gone? The one I need to stop saying down. Getter. No, um, Gab, Parler is gone. Oh, Parler is gone. Yeah, Getter is still uh, So I, I assume Getter is still there. Maybe I should log in and actually. <laughs> it still um, Yeah, Twitter now X. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. But, Brian, we've got to start off with uh, kind of the, the cliffhanger that we were on last week surrounding Microsoft Activision. The deadline was midnight last Tuesday. We obviously did the yep. show earlier than that. And there was the, the question, what is going to happen? Could they ram through a deal very short term? That didn't seem like it was very likely. And it was announced shortly after midnight on the West Coast, so like 3 o'clock or so Eastern time in the morning on Wednesday, that the deal for Microsoft and Activision, uh, the merger deal between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard has been extended into October. However, yes. in an interview that same next day, Bobby Kotnick was uh, sat down with David Faber on CNBC, and he said they hope to have this deal closed in the next 60 to 90 days. So this October yeah. is, That's I think, the, the final date. deadline. Yeah, like this yeah. is the deadline. Um, but they want to they want to get this thing done as quickly as possible. Your uh, your initial thoughts. Well, I, I think this makes sense because there's only little things holding it up. Uh, first yeah. of all, the FTC has suspended its administrative challenge to the merger, oh. which was one of the things. So uh, <laughs> that kind of takes that <laughs> off the table. The CMA, you remember, has said, well, okay, we'll, we'll discuss it. And, you know, if you can come to the table and, and meet yeah. our her demands, we'll let this go through, which means that they'll get to continue using uh, <laughs> Word and Excel and, and all those things that, uh, in the country. Um, so I, th I think that there's definitely going to be no issues with CMA because, uh, you know, if, if they're the only country holding this up, it just makes them look more foolish. But I think to save face, they need to come up with a little excuse of why they, they held up this deal uh, and, you know, make them do something. Maybe they're going to give up Candy Crush or whatever it is, uh, you know, to make make the whole deal go through. But yeah, the 18th, they've agreed that after that, the deal will terminate, won't terminate before. So, I have hopes that that whatever final things need to be done. I mean, um, they have they've stopped the administrative block from FTC, but I don't know if now there is some green light that they have to give. Uh, you know, is there it, the fact that they're not that saying no anymore? Is that a yes, or does there need to be some documentation from them saying we accept the merger and give it the green light? Which I, that's what I'm assuming that they're going to have to do. Yeah, and that's kind of what everybody is 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 waiting to see. Now, I, I find it it was pretty interesting, and we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. There's been this huge amount of pressure, really kind of, Brian, a black eye over the yep. Federal Trade Commission in their unwillingness to just step out of business and, and yep. stop, I mean, I'll just call it what it is, weaponizing the federal government 
against private industry, which is exactly what they've done with this Microsoft Activision merger. These, this, these two companies, Microsoft and Activision together, have spent probably millions of dollars on legal expenses. Who does that hurt, Brian? Not the cons- not the not Bobby <laughs> Kotnick, not Phil Spencer. It hurts the employees and the consumers because that cuts out of the bottom line margin that they can yep. s- either give him raises to employees, reinvest into the company, or do something else with. It doesn't hurt anybody but the little guy, which is what the FTC is supposed to be protecting in the first place. Um, I've got yeah. a clip if you want to roll into it of this little back and forth, this was the morning after this and Dave, I'll give David Faber all the credit in the world. I'm pretty, I mean, he's, he's, he's been on CNBC for, for years and he grilled Lena Khan over yeah. this. Uh, I'd like to just play a little bit of this so that we can you know, hear this question and hear her response because it's essentially the same question that he has. So this is courtesy of, uh, of CNBC. Let's just start off with what are essentially 13 guidelines your uh, your agencies have been delivering these so-called guidelines, I believe, since 1968. What distinguishes this latest version from the others that we've seen? Well, first of all, it's so great to be here with you. So as you noted, uh, the agencies have issued guidelines since 1968. Uh, of course, our markets and our economy has changed significantly since then. And so it's been longstanding practice for both the Antitrust Division and the Federal Trade Commission to periodically issue updates. How does this actually impact the law and the way it is going to be viewed by the judges who ultimately decide whether when you bring a case, the FTC is correct or perhaps when they say, as was recently the case, for example, in Microsoft, when they say, no, we don't believe you. (laughs) So these guidelines reflect the law. Uh, If you look through the document, (laughs) you'll see a lot of footnotes. I mean, so, I mean, that's just like, you know, that's just a just one little piece of, you know, oh, so we're going to bring forth these new guidelines and we're going to we're going to yeah. do this and we're going to do that to try and, you know, uh, 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 you know, just all this this back and forth to try. Brian, the yep. reality is they keep losing because, yep. because judges are calling them out. Well, and this is what we're starting to see this a lot with especially this administration, because you're you're bringing in activists, people with agendas into positions of power. And it's becoming very obvious, and not just in the FTC, it's, it's obvious in the FBI and a lot of other places, that there's a lot of personal bias and opinion and things that are leading decisions from these, these different or, uh, organizations in the government. And I think that here, she just does a really poor job of trying to cover it up, especially when they brought her, you know, and started grilling her in, at Capitol Hill. And she, they'd ask her yes or no questions because this is how they love to get the people. I, here's a very basic yes or no question. And we, I just want a yes or a no. And then she starts going off into some spiel that, that goes in a totally different direction. And they're like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. I just want a yes or no. Did you do this? Yes or no. And then she goes off and starts trying to do. And, and that made me really lose my, my respect for Khan, just seeing how she couldn't answer a single base. She couldn't answer a basic question up there because she knew that if she answered it, it would make her look bad. And so if you're doing behaviors that, that you can't answer with a straight face because you know they'll make you look bad, why are you doing them? And it's it's so blatant because I think they're just anti-business. And you're the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, you should be not anti-business. You should be hoping that business get, grows and flourishes and does it in a safe and healthy way. That's the goal of these organizations not to try to stifle them and just stamp out big business. 
because you're going to have the only way that we have big things sometimes is big business. How do you think the auto industry works? We don't have little pop, mom and pop shops here throwing together cars. You have to have a big business that builds cars. You have to have a big business that does a lot of the does a lot of these different things. And Microsoft, for you know all the infrastructure they have, it has to be a big business. Amazon, um, you know, imagine if they were all small, you wouldn't have big things. And I think that the fact that they're trying to stamp them all out, people you know who are anti-government or anti-business or whatever it is, you know, they'll have one opinion one way or the other. But you know, as you're carrying around your iPhone, I, I just always laugh. You know, people like to point out someone's carrying around an iPhone and say that they hate corporations. Really? <laughs> yeah. Or they're carrying around an iPhone and they say, I, you know, I'm against slave labor. Okay. Well, how do you show it? Quit buying products that are made over in a place where it's equivalent to slave labor. How about that? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just this, it's just this, that kind of, uh, she, she says things and does things not based on what the law says. And that's why they have to go out and put out new decrees and they have to put out new rules because the laws don't match up. And that's why she's been losing in court so much. She, yeah. So they'll change the laws to match their opinion rather than making their, their ways of thinking and, and enacting things match the law. Well, and that's, and that, that's exactly that. And she was asked a little bit about that. Here's a, here's a little bit more of, of an, of this same interview, but an earlier part of it specifically about, you know, losing that battle and some of these new guidelines. I just, I think it's rather interesting. We obviously are bringing cases when we think there's a law violation. Uh, we've been thrilled that we've had a whole set of success, um, including with deterrence, which we hear a lot from levels of success, Brian, about lost the deterrent like, effect. Yes. Half a dozen court enforcer, cases. You always that means you don't have a sure full success. Firms are on clear notice <laughs> about what could constitute a law violation and are staying far away from that line. Um, we were very grateful to receive a budgetary increase last year that has enabled us to be growing our ranks. Uh, we're still hiring um, <laughs> and we're grateful for those additional resources and the additional work we'll be able to do with them. You know, deterrence is obviously very important, but when you do lose, there's uh, questions here specific to Microsoft. Uh, you lost in the U.S. court. Why not drop the action from there? Why seeking appeal? Why are you continuing to follow, for example, along uh, with the ALJ proceeding? Chair Khan, uh, you know, earlier, um, Mr. Kanner sort of said he believes in our judicial system and will abide by judicial decisions. So why would you continue, given the court has already been heard from, with this action? We fully believe in our robust system of judicial review. Uh, I won't be able to comment on any specific matters, but generally, uh, if we get an adverse decision from a district court, we look very closely at it uh, to determine whether we think there were any um, errors of law or misapplication of law. All right. So that's pretty much all you need here. A bunch of a bunch of nothing. But that's that's really that's really the, the general takeaway from this is we know we lost. And at this time, they were still fighting. They were still going to go forward with the appeal. Uh, they have since yeah. decided against that, but um, uh, this is a really scary precedent. Um, I'm I'm yep. I'm fortunate, or I, I'm I'm happy to hear that um, you know the a judge did go the way of private business, which is pr pretty crazy to even have to be thankful for. Um, but they did, and now it appears that this deal is uh, is going to be moving forward, and really the last um, last holdout is going to be the CMA. I mean, I think the F the FTC has pretty much given up the ghost. They know that they lost. They know that there's really nothing they're going to be able to do. So now the ball's in the C back in the CMA's court. Surprisingly, well, and that's the thing is, I think you, you heard the that announcer there 
call her call her out on well okay you, you said that you would follow the rule of law but then you know <laughs> why are you doing this and and yeah. the, the funny thing all of her responses were just talking points of course and that seems to be that seems to be the new common thing of you get challenged and you know that's what they teach them in business you can tell she's definitely been trained on you know how to respond to avoid complicated questions and everything was just she's a politician stuff. nothing yeah she's she's a politician and nothing was answered what I heard, I, so I was watching video, a bunch of videos about the FBI, and one thing that I kept hearing when the director of the FBI just got nailed on questions, he would start saying to particular senators in their states, for instance, in Florida, uh, the you know senator from Florida really grilled him, and he says, well, I just want you to know that we have a 100% uptick in applications from your state of Florida and our FBI. Ah, yes. And they said the same, but we have a 150% uptick in applications to the FBI from your state in Texas. And it's just like, these are all talking points, things you memorize so that if people say that your state has lost confidence in the FBI, you know, they've lost confidence in your, in your organization. That's why they're joining it to hopefully make it turn the other direction. Not because they have confidence in what you're doing. That doesn't mean why a lot of these people are signing up, but they feel like, you know, they, they're trying to just turn those talking points. And every time she talks, it's just talking point, talking point, talking point. No substance. She doesn't think of anything on the fly as far as what her answer is going to be. She doesn't answer the question. She sidesteps and does a talking point, which gives you no new information because they hand all that information out, you know, with their, with their press briefings and everything else. So, it's, it's just the frustrating thing is every time someone talks to a person like this, nothing new is learned. And so yeah. it's like, what's the point of the interview? So on the flip side of this, a couple hours after, or like less than 30 minutes after this interview, Bobby Kotnick, who is the, you know, I didn't realize this. He was one of the original founders of Activision. I didn't realize how long he had yeah, been he's, around. Yeah, he's been there a long time. It was before yeah. it was called Activision. Him and a couple of buddies started this company that became Activision. I didn't realize he's been leading it this entire time. Which explains yep. a little bit more why they hate him so much. And he was asked specifically about the. I think this is the the part of the interview where he was specifically asked about the CMA and the holdup there. Let's uh, let's jump into this. Also from CNBC. Your expectations when it comes to what is left to do there to get the approval of the CMA. So if you think about the history of the video game business, the UK really factored significantly in the evolution of the industry. The BBC had a computer in the early '80s. You know, uh, Sinclair was one of the first people to uh, introduce a consumer computer. There's a really exceptional amount of talent in animation, in art, in game design. And so I think the UK recognizes that they have an opportunity to continue to be a leader in the video game industry. And I think we're going to end up seeing a reasonable resolution and hopefully it'll be quickly well, yeah what's quickly so there's the reasonable right we're, we're gonna see a reasonable resolution which i i yep. think is probably the case so i'll uh, i'll stop it there with the audio clips uh, okay but, so uh, i found yeah, that's, i found that's i pulled doing. up some information about him really quick because this is you know he's in 2006 he started discussing a merger between the games division of vivendi uh which is a french company which included Blizzard Entertainment and Sierra Entertainment, which used ah, to be a big old gaming Sierra, company. Yeah. He's the one who engineered the Activision, and then he engineered this Activision um, Blizzard merger. Yeah. So he, he did that merger as well, which created that new company, Activision Blizzard. So, yeah, 2006. So he's been doing this for a while and, uh, you know, kind of started with started the whole thing. He was the person who made that company what it is today that they're now merging into Microsoft, I will assume. Yeah, is, I mean, it happen. is. 
and his history goes back to uh, the early late 1980s when him and his business partner brought a bankrupt Activision at the time, and he has essentially been yep. at the helm since the early late 1980s and has led the company to. I, I mean, I don't even know what Activision Blizzard's worth. Um, let's see, they are worth uh, about 20 billion dollars. You know, you know, just a little chump change. For yeah, people just a little thing buy. here. Just yeah, a little, <laughs> little you know, 20 billion dollars here or there. Um, so it does appear that this is going to go forward in the next 45 to, uh, 60 ish days. So that's, uh, that's very exciting. Yeah, we will see. All right. Um, do you care where we go from here? You want to talk a little bit about our favorite, uh, social media company, Twitter or yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that, that's a good area to go here. It's not really gaming news. Um, but you know, I, I've said this a lot. I've, I've always been a pretty active Twitter user, and especially now for what I do at, at work, which is you know, doing a, a morning talk radio show. The stuff yeah. is seen first on Twitter. The breaking news, the especially more localized stuff. I'm not talking about national news, but like in the state of North Carolina, like oh, a big a big bills coming up for a vote. First place you see it is Twitter. It's not on Facebook till till much later. So I use Twitter all the time. It's the reason I subscribed to Twitter Blue a couple of weeks ago because I use the service. I wanted more of the features that the service was offering, so I decided to pay for it. Uh, Elon Musk went from the saving grace of the Democrats and the left with Tesla and this visionary guy. He was he was their Picasso to public enemy number one in the last couple of years, specifically because of some of the things that he's had to say about free speech. And then when he, it was announced he was buying Twitter, these people lost their freaking minds. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it has continued. There's been this you know, the constant talk on of all these left wing people now about we're leaving Twitter, man. We're going to Mastodon. Yet the yet they're still running their mouth on Twitter about how awful the platform is and and everything else. Still giving him money because that's how the service works. Use it for free. It serves you ads. He gets paid money. I mean, that's that's the business model, idiots. That's that's kind of how this all plays out. Um, and the big thing this week was the name change. Um, he no. took the Twitter name off of the building relatively early when he bought the company off their San Francisco headquarters. And he has owned the website, the domain X.com since like the mid 90s or early 90s. He has owned it forever since he before he started yep. PayPal. Right. He was he was early on PayPal, wasn't he? It was him and uh, the other guy on PayPal. Um, so he's he's been in the tech stuff a long time. He's owned this domain and he's always talked about this platform called x this app called x that is a catch-all which to me and i've never used the app but from what i understand kind of like what wechat is over in china mm-hmm. wechat is everything it's not just a yep. social network it's a search engine it's an online it's like an amazon it's video game it's literally everything on wechat and, and uh, what's the other one um qq or uh, or whatever QQ. The other, yeah qq these are yeah. like all-encompassing apps they're everything and he hasn't really been secret about it he's mentioned multiple times that he was going to make twitter x and he changed the freaking logo in the favicon on the website brian and everybody is losing their damn minds over it and it's just i think it shows the greater trend of what we see a lot of this stuff in technology and then it bleeds its way. It seems like tech gaming is like two or three years behind the curve of what goes on in technology in terms of some of the movements and the, the culture shifts. And I just find it hilarious. And at the same time, also a little bit 
pathetic as to what's being written. I just want to read three headlines. Uh, I know you've already seen them, but for our audience, Brian, so they can kind of see what they're dealing with. This is over at IGN. X users react to Elon Musk's decision to kill famous blue bird logo. Twitter is turning into X. Analysts don't see the treasure map. Another day, another change to the bird app. Owner Elon Musk has regularly used the letter X in his projects as it's featured in everything from SpaceX to the name of his child. When he first purchased Twitter, Musk tweeted about his vision to turn Twitter into X, the everything app. So they, GameSpot at least can admit that he mentioned this from day one, but it's just, it's exhausting to read this yeah. garbage. Well, and he's done kind of odd things. One thing I wanted to, I, there, I saw a note in here that they did, he legally changed the name to X space COPR, which could mean two different things. I think citizen of permanent residence or something is one meeting, but the other is it's means dung or feces. And so I'm just wondering if he's doing that as a troll, you know, X and X poop or whatever. He he changed the name to to include that. But people are freaking out because I, I put one of the opinion ones here. Twitter removing the little blue bird is about more than a logo. And then another one here, they they said, you know, it's it's a what was the word they use? Uh, you know, it's a reason to mourn, which makes no sense to <laughs> reason me. Reason to mourn, you know, like what what, what are you mourning about? The fact that he changed the logo, the, the app itself is exactly the same. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't look any different. And I think here, uh, I wonder if it'll be actually be X or if it's going to be something more because there's SpaceX, right? Of course, yeah. This is, I, I, and he's been trying to figure out, well, what do you call a tweet now? You know, is An it, X. He's, he's taking suggestions on, um, you know, on tweets. One thing I found interesting, and I'm wondering if this is more of what he is about, um, I found where this logo is actually a, something a used Microsoft? in Mac. Oh. Well, yeah, it's, it's, okay. no, it's actually a Unicode symbol. It's a character um, in Unicode, and the way that he's done the X, where it's thick on the one side, that's that's uh, for math. It's part of the math alphabet. Hmm. And he is a rocket scientist. <laughs> uh, he's also you know, very he, he does a, Yeah, he does a lot of math. <laughs> he's all about math. And so I would think that perhaps the reason that he enjoys X so much is because it has something to do with math. Uh, you know, it may, it, he hasn't really said that, but, you know, that's, that is what it has to do with. And I would think that it, cause the way that he, he did it, the, the thick on the, the cross that goes from left to right, up, you know, from top left to, to lower right, the thicker part there, that's a math symbol. And so I would assume that that's more of why he did it. And they're wondering why he did such a simple logo. He likes simple. I, I think he, he likes things not being overcomplicated. And I, well, I assume that that's partly why he did it. Yeah. And again, it's not like this is some random drunken like decision. He has been talking yeah. about an X all app or an X all service since the early 90s. I mean, 30 yep. years he's been talking about this. And and even since the purchase of Twitter, which happened back in January, it's been six months he mentioned this idea. But, you know, you still look at, like, this was one of the things I, I loved seeing. And again, I don't know who this idiot is. But, like, oh, here's the inspiration. It's a chart. Twitter profits are going to be on the downside of the X, and users of threads are on the up. Well, threads is down, their active daily users is down 85% from a week and a half ago when it launched. And yeah. Twitter is seeing the highest user counts it's ever seen. 
But again, they just yep. manufacture this stuff. I'm not even an Elon Musk. I'm not an Elon Musk apologist. I don't. I, I mean, I, I I don't use Tesla. I don't use Starlink. I don't use any of his services. I will admit, I do drink from a SpaceX coffee mug. We have a good friend that works there, <laughs> and he sent me some yeah. swag, and I use that. I like Twitter. I've liked. I liked Twitter before Elon owned it. I I like Twitter now. But this just this hysteria over Twitter is just. I mean, Brian, this guy's a real threat to. He's a real threat to them, and I and I'm trying to understand why. Like what? Well, okay, what is I, his? What is his? What is he doing to them that causes outrage? Because you don't react unless there's a reason to react. If he was just this well, good old guy, whatever, you just ignore him. Why though? Why are they doing? Let's let's look at what happened early on when he bought Twitter. Is remember Twitter prior? Because you know this is the thing that I I do. I, I quit using Twitter for a while because yes. the level of censorship that was on there. You couldn't say hardly anything. I mean, they were more restrictive than YouTube. You you could barely say anything, and they'd be banning people left and right, and not necessarily banning you because you broke the terms of service. They would ban you just because they didn't like your opinion, and then they'd sometimes make up a new rule to be able to ban somebody. And just seeing that type of I'm not allowed to have an opinion, but a person with the direct opposite opinion, and let's say somewhere in the middle is right, they're allowed to speak their opinion all day long, and I'm not allowed to even say my opinion. Like, how's that fair on a supposedly open space? I think it was a private company. It wasn't an open space, whatever. Uh, well, actually, it was a public company, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But, but they, they were supposed to be uh, having some sort of a marketplace of ideas, and they totally killed that because of activists in a company. And he came in and let everybody speak their opinion, and that is a threat to the left. That's why there's the hate speech thing and words are violence and all of this, and that's really gone away. One thing that I have noticed is whenever someone in the old days would say something on Twitter, you'd only see confirming points of view on that thought if it was something really liberal. You'd just say, oh, yeah, I agree, and everything would be one direction, and nobody would speak your mind. Now you actually get people from other varying points of ideas going in and making comments and being able to say things and they don't get banned for it. Even things that I don't agree with or that I do agree with, you know, let them post it as long as it's not something that's threatening somebody or doing something crazy that's breaking the actual terms of service. I like having a, a variance of opinion and I really think that for Elon Musk, it comes down to one thing is having, because Twitter used to be a place that you could go in and, and predict things with back when they were a little more open before they started locking down, when people would come in and breaking news would happen and it'd be broadcast on Twitter. And that they were starting to use it to predict elections and see things before uh, analysts were able to really predict them. And it was very, very powerful. But then when it got so censored, it killed that ability. They killed the primary benefit of their product by being so crazy with their censorship and, and making only one opinion go. And I think that... Elon Musk realizes that if you can get a huge variance of opinions, it brings that ability back to maybe statistically figure out what's happening in the world and predict things that are going to happen. Um, and also AI. I think that this is a perfect place to train AI on because you'll get a lot of variance of opinion because it's one of the only places on the internet where you can have a varied opinion and not be blocked. And so I, th I think that, that, if we're going to be training AI on, on things people say and how that, you know, it kind of get a general here's opinions of the people you got to do it on a platform that doesn't 
block off half the people or else you're going to get a very biased AI. And I think that that's a lot of it. You know, I know he's really in the AI. I really have a feeling that it comes down to a lot of it's AI is why he's so open to wanting all thoughts on here. Not that he's a big libertarian or anything, because uh, he doesn't believe the same politics as you've said. He doesn't believe in our politics, really. He's kind of a troll. You know, he's just, he's, oh, he's, just, a he's an troll. odd guy. Yeah. And, and I, and, you know, and he likes to, I think he likes to make people think that he's on their side. I don't know if he's believes like I do. I, I assume he doesn't. I don't think he does. So I just, mm -hmm. I, you, if you want a good time, scroll through the IGN comments specifically. Those people are the most delusional. Yeah. And just read the uh, amount of mental gymnastics that they go through. Is Elon trying to speed run bankrupting a social media company? At first, I was just, I thought it was just his incompetence, but now I feel like Twitter is systematically being destroyed from within. This is him literally changing the logo. Yep. yep. Systematically and destroying the company by changing the logo. And the thing is, they're worried about brand recognition. Enough people use the product. It's to always going to be called Twitter. It, it doesn't matter. It'll be called Twitter, and you can have the logo be whatever you want. Exactly. It's like it, people, people are going to eventually just refer to it with, to whatever. I mean, what are you going to call it? X? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go hang out on X. I mean, maybe people are going to think you're doing drugs. But but here's the thing: it's irrelevant. So, it doesn't matter what you call it. That that's the whole thing. Is it? It doesn't matter what the name of it is. It's about the service it provides in the mm -hmm. ecosystem associated with it. And they get so, in, so they're so fixated on this term, Brian, this name. They're so fixated on this guy, again, who was once their darling. And now he is yep. literally the devil reincarnated. And it's. Well, we should call it FaceX or something like that. FaceX. FaceX and then we could have um, SpaceX and FaceX. FaceX and Star. Uh, Starx. Starlink. Starlinks. <laughs> Starlinks, there you go. I like that. Um, <laughs> I just, I love. It's oh man, I always screw up this saying, but it's uh, either live, do something long enough to be, you end up becoming the hero, live long enough to become the enemy, or something like that. And that's essentially yeah. what what Elon Musk has become in this case. He has become the enemy simply because, and because I do he, genuinely he, believe he thinks free speech is a is a big thing. Well, yeah. he, I think he believes that, and he kind of, I mean, he put forty I mean, billion dollars where his mouth is. If you look at what he's done with the space industry, he's pretty much saved NASA in the equivalent. Now, Obama killed NASA. He stepped up and said, well, let's, let's just do it ourselves. And he did. And so that got a lot of liberals really cheering for him because, hey, we're going back to space. And then you, he turned around and made electric cars that actually people wanted to drive and really pushed electric cars to be a common thing on the streets where you saw one every day. He did that. And liberals love that. And then, of course... He, he bought Twitter and said everyone should be allowed to say their opinion. Oh, and now they hate him. And so, yeah, he was the darling. And, and it's just crazy how quickly they, they pivoted on him because he didn't affirm every opinion that, that they have. And I don't expect anybody to believe you know, 50% of what I believe. I assume that they're going to believe, they're only going to think by like me. Well, here, locally, people will be more likely to think like me. But on the internet, I don't expect people to think like me, but it's so crazy how the left pushes and just turns and hates if you don't think exactly like they do. And they, you know, he definitely found that out. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's the living example of it right now. Um, what the name of the website is, I mean, what the app logo looks like really is just, I mean, who, who cares? I mean, that's really yep. what this the product down to. still works. 
I have no issues with it. It works like it did before. You know, I I don't know what they expect to be different. I mean, he's he's kept the product going, saved it from bankruptcy. Twitter would have been no more in a couple of months if he wouldn't have come in and purchased it. That is very much the case, and that, of course, is not mentioned at all. You know, under Jack um, uh, Dorsey, what is his Morsey? Yeah, under Jack Morsey's Dorsey, leadership, yeah. he literally had one of the largest websites, most brand recognizable websites in the world on the brink of bankruptcy because he could not figure yep. out how to monetize it or cut his costs so that he could monetize it. I mean, it. yeah, they were wasting. He's, he's at 20% of the original workforce. Yes. They fired 80% of the workforce and the thing still runs just fine. Yes. And so if that tells you anything. Yeah, they're adding brand new features. They rolled out Twitter blue in the way that they did. There's rolling out this monetization. Two-hour videos. For, this yeah. monetization for creators is huge. People are getting like eighteen, twenty thousand dollar checks because they're getting yep. hundreds of millions of views on Twitter. Um, there's, I read something today. It's not available yet, but for Twitter Blue subscribers, you're able to download video and audio directly from Twitter. For me, that's huge because what I have to do now is yep. run audio recording software to to grab audio clips. That's going to be huge for me. All of this done, as you know, with twenty percent of the staff. So. Um, Continue the hate on Elon Musk. It only I think it only fuels him. Yep. Yeah, he loves it. He he lives off the he lives yeah. off the hate. And if you follow if you do <laughs> follow him on Twitter, uh, which I would recommend you do, he um I mean he just pokes fun at these people constantly. Yep. I mean he said they're one of the richest men in the world while people hate on him and say he's stupid. Yes. You know he, he's 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 doing what NASA couldn't do well, and he's doing it way better. Uh, you know, people call him stupid. He's built cars yep. better than any other company. Yeah, people are calling him stupid. So let's yeah. see if he's stupid on this one. What too. a novel concept of keeping the booster instead of letting it fall into the ocean and never be used again. I mean, that's that's that <laughs> yep. that, that example right there. What what he did with with NASA, which they would just let their boosters fall into the ocean and it just didn't matter. Saving his company hundreds of millions of dollars by making a system for them to land themselves so they can be reused. That's the difference yep. between private industry and government. When you have a blank peg check, there's no reason to innovate. Just let it fall into the ocean, have the Coast Guard recover it. When it's we'll do your one. money, your investor's money, well, well, let's find a way to reuse this thing. We spent, you know, six hundred million dollars on this whole setup. Why don't we figure out how that we can how we can reuse this thing? And then guess what? They did. Yep. And they've been yep. able to do so on a very consistent basis. Been doing basis. it over and over again. Yes. It's it's just <laughs> so. it's hilarious. And so. oh, and we even forgot. We're yeah, Starlink. I mean, worldwide internet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he's but he's stupid. He's know, giving internet to every country and people that you know in third world nations didn't have access to any kind of technology. But you know he's he's stupid. Yes, he's a <laughs> anyway. huge he's a huge idiot. <laughs> How about According to these people? It's such 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 ridiculous nonsense. Hey, let's Get, let's talk stay because mad. There's, there's stay mad. <laughs> there's something I want to uh, I want I want to talk about, but we have to lead into it with a little bit. So Roblox. Oh, you yes. know they're they're. They're all about the monetization tools, and they're aiming to be one of the biggest virtual economies on Earth okay. in Roblox, you know, a kid's, kid's game. And so that's been something that they've been really pushing for. And it is, I mean, they, they make a huge amount of money at Roblox. Uh, you know, they, it's a very simple, simple type of a game. But uh, one thing here I want to mention really quick that happened recently is they accidentally leaked 4,000 of their developer profiles, including, you know, identifying information uh, it was 4,000 of their employees. So, you know, that may be something that kind of gives them a black eye. And if they can't handle their own things, you know, you're, how are they going to become one of the biggest economies on earth if they can't keep their employees' information safe? 
you know, but that's that's a whole other, another thing. But I uh, I saw something that's going to be coming out on Roblox here pretty soon, Nick. Okay. And I I immediately thought of you, and it's something that allows you to be an extreme storm chaser online. Oh, wow. And I know that this has been your dream, but they're that's making the truck it in from Roblox. Twister. Yeah, that's the car from yes. tw- the, from from Twister. My they're calling this movie of all time. Twisted. Look at that! It's and a so you Dow. can you can live the life. I mean, the thing it, it's it's actually done pretty well. I mean, for being done in Roblox, which this is really the use of Roblox is creating unique game modes and things that you don't want to create all of the the movement and the network code and all of that. But look at what they've done. I mean, the the tornadoes and the the hurricanes ripping apart buildings. Uh, it's done pretty good, and it just released here, I think, two days ago, if I remember correctly. Um, so oh, they, I had a uh, link well, to it, and it's gone away. Where'd it go? It Brian, worked earlier today. I'll try to I will say I am not a Roblox player, but... They took it down. I can't No, they didn't. This. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's not loading on mine. Uh, no, it's, it is. It's request, it's bad here. request. Uh, okay. I, I got well, they won't I got let a, me look at it. Yeah, well, I got, I got it pulled up here. Uh, it does note this game will not run on, run well on low-end devices. Obviously, a lot of particle things going on there. Um, yeah. Brian, I don't know how you get... I need to figure out how to do Roblox, how, how that works exactly. But oh, look, at, look at all these other ones. I think you can play on the phone. Well, no, it says it won't run on low-end devices. Look at all these other ones. Oh, yeah, uh, looks like See, that's I wonder what if I'm stores doing. I, wonder, I wonder if their stores doing maintenance or something. They must um, be doing something because it pulled up a little bit earlier today. I was thinking, oh no, they took it down. Maybe there was some copyright thing. But it, I'm going like to go ahead and give this a shot and report back. I can relive my Good. movie of being um, uh, Bill Paxton, great man, rest in peace, from Twister, and I will report back, Brian, about my experience. Good. I'll record it, and we can. Okay, thank you. Because I'll it, talk, it looks cool it. from the from There's the video. There's a couple of games like this. There's another one. I'm in one of their discords, and they're making a full game like this, which is going to be a hard sell because you're talking about a very niche community. But to do yeah. it as a Roblox mod, I mean, that's pretty perfect. Yeah. Well, I want to see one of these made in Unreal Engine 5. There where is already it's one. Just, Let me see if I can find it. But does it done well? Because I, I've seen well. things made in Unreal that aren't taking advantage of any of the newer technologies, and especially Unreal Engine 5.2 and the new things they've done with particle effects, that'd be perfect for a storm like this because they've made it to where you can have a huge number of things and it doesn't lag your machine out. And so I think that's going to be... Technology is finally creating up with being able to create a high-definition storm-chasing game. So I have hope for you. Yeah, I'm trying to find it right now. I don't have my... my, uh... I don't have my Discord open while we're doing the show. Uh, here it is. It's called Outbreak. O-U-T-B-R-K is the name of the game. Um, I think it's... I, I actually... I I own this one, and I've played this one before. I have access to the beta. Um, you know, your... I don't know if it fits your... Uh, your definition of, of weld. I mean, I think it looks pretty cool. Well, I think it looks... I think it looks nice. Um, there's you know, one for, called... For what it is. Storm... Project Storm... And this one's supposedly a next-generation storm-chasing simulator. They have a Discord hmm. as well. Now, hmm. they, they haven't posted for almost for about a year. <laughs> well, now, probably which not makes me a little bit... 
makes me a little bit nervous. But you know, they've been making a lot of clouds, and who knows? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to make storms that are really realistic. You, you can you can make clouds and everything, but then you start after doing a lot of coding to make actual storms. So maybe they got stuck there. But we'll see. Hopefully soon. Uh, there are a lot of uh, ones that people are making. But I think if you made one that's cool enough, people would be willing to try it out. Yeah, the one that's the coolest one would be Outbreak. Outbreak game. Um, and they just put out an update back on June 30th. They do about a, they do about a dev blog a month um, when they go over some of the... Uh, some of the detail. Look at this, Brian. They added uh in their most recent update, added a uh, uh like a little CB, oh, yes, yeah, little CB ridge. Radio. Remember, didn't we tell H1Z1 to do that? To have like a multi-channel. And, and then they had like sidebands and everything yeah. else. It's like just make a simple forty-channel uh Crystal CB radio. Radio, yeah. So yeah, yeah and then yeah, if you're uh this is I have access to this one. Outbreak. It's pretty neat. But I'll try out. I found a, a picture of myself when I was twelve, sitting in front of my CB radio, holding the, <laughs> holding the. If you mic, gave so. me five minutes, I could have you a picture of me sitting directly behind me talking on my ham radio right now. <laughs> it's a fun, <laughs> a fun little hobby. Um, well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for cheering me up. I really needed that. It's yeah. been, you know, working in politics kind of miserable and talking about all these terrible people like Lena Khan <laughs> and uh, all these uh, other idiots. It's uh, this is a this is a good uplifter. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, well, let's talk about China to really kind of bring the bring it back home. <laughs> bring, bring the mood back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's hit it. So, there's been a lot of t of talk here in the past month about this U.S.-China tech war heating up. Oh yeah. And Biden surprisingly is one of the ones who started instigating it with the whole Chips Act, uh, saying that companies couldn't go and do business in China if they wanted to receive money from the government. Uh, <laughs> yeah, UG, yeah. UGX is right on the ball there. UGX five to the sub, and he says China. China. Uh, and so this has been kind of creating some contention between the countries. And uh, there's been some things happening over in China that I think ours are trying to limit them, then made them open up this whole crackdown that they were doing. I really think the fact that we were starting to push back on them, they realized that for the industry to survive, they had to open everything up uh but they ended that 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 crackdown and they've they've been doing very well they've actually had a pretty big boom um they their 40 billion video game market is according to them has bounced back and so this when our i think our industry is really struggling i mean we've been listing week after week the layoffs and everything else uh i think with them whether it's false uh, you know, improvement or whatever, they have been having some of their companies do more investments. For instance, Tencent just became the majority stakeholder in Dying Light Studios. So this is one that we we talked to them a couple times at PAX. Uh, they made that that zombie game. It's funny that they keep buying zombie games, but they don't allow skulls. They don't allow blood in their video games, but they buy zombie games. That part doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, China is really, I think, starting trying to push back on us. I know that recently they they hacked one of our major governmental organizations here pretty recently. Um, and you know, that that definitely was embarrassing to us. Yeah, they yeah, that was like a micro. There was like a weird Microsoft glitch with um, mm -hmm. with the, being able to fake a, cert, a login certificate and they were able to get access to some government emails or something. Yeah, pretty interesting. 
And one though, one thing though is they're going to be breaking up Alibaba, and that Ooh, Alibaba China's? has a hundred. Yeah, they have a hundred thirty-two point wow. five billion dollar revenue for fiscal year twenty twenty-two. Um, oh, and so huge. what they're going to do is a major restructuring of the company uh, that they announced here this month, or actually in March, that promises to to put it into six different business units. So they're going to be doing public offerings. For these six business units, one is going to be digital media and entertainment, okay. and that's going to be uh, I don't know—is it Yauku? I, I don't know if these are the names, or yeah, I think they're breaking them up into separate companies: Yauku and UC Web. And then they're going to be doing local consumer services, which is like AMAP, Ella.me, and Kube. I don't know how to pronounce all these. Then they have logistics, which is their shipping that they're going to be breaking up, um, which is going to be Kainayo. Um, then they're going to have international commerce, which is all the express and Lazaba, Lazada. Uh, then they're going to have cloud intelligence, which is going to be AI, Al- Alibaba, cloud and Ding talk. And then they're going to have China commerce, which is, uh, going to be their major investments of, you know, like Tabao and Tmall. So very odd that they're, they're breaking this up, but I think kind of what, remember what H1Z1 did uh, maybe they're worried that if, if they limit, they can't limit one company if they only want to limit one. They they will limit the whole company and affect a lot of areas when they're trying to limit and restrict one area of it. And I think if they block it up and then they want to say, all right, well, we're not going to allow any more, you know, cloud, whatever, or um, logistic stuff here. They can then go after the logistics side without messing up because Alibaba was just a huge conglomerate of things. It did everything. It was kind of like our Amazon. I mean, it's, it's, it's equivalent of our Amazon here. Ships all kinds of things, places, um, has a lot of different services. So I, I, I personally, I think it's because they needed to make sure that they could still do all of their manipulation that they like to do with these companies without it making the whole thing just kill their whole market. Yeah, that's interesting. That I didn't realize Alibaba had all those side services that they were also. I mean, I should yeah. assume, but I just wasn't aware. Yeah, they've gotten huge. Now, well, one thing that I didn't realize is they fined that ant group, uh, their tech giant ant group in Tencent, $1 billion. And that's what ended this crackdown. So they fined them a $1 billion, and then they they uh, kind of opened it all up. So Tencent's the largest video game company in the world right now. Yeah, and they keep buying companies, and it, I, just, I wish people would wake up. It's not going to help the video game industry in the end. Having yeah. a communist backed organization controlling all of your media is not going to end well yeah i i don't i wish i knew more about the whole tencent thing it's kind it's hard to um it's hard to find out information about about these companies because it's it's so hard you, you can't read news out of china because we know what what i mean they control their media like literally an iron fist so many media yep. outlets in the United States are so anti-China, which I understand. I'm not, believe me, I'm not pro-China, but it's hard to get a true grasp as to what exactly Tencent is. And I mean, I think we're, I think we have a pretty good description and rundown of of what they are and kind of what they're about. I just, I wish I knew more about them because, for example, Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft right now, all of these companies have deals with Tencent to help with yep. getting games released over in China. And are they yep. just do? Do they have to do a deal with the devil because it's the only option? It's the only way to get. Uh, it's the only way to get in there. Or is the 
that side of Tencent that's allowing and helping getting these games approved, is that not as bad as maybe other parts of the company? I just don't know. It's really hard to try and understand. Well, one thing I do know is that they you're not allowed to go and do direct business and dealings in China. Like, Correct. My we, uh, Activision Blizzard can't, can't just go into China yeah. and be like, well, we're now in China. So they have to go through a representative that is assigned uh, or, you know, through through kind of a mediator to get into the company country. And that's what tends the type of thing that Tencent does and these type of organizations do. And so you're forced to work with these companies and it artificially makes them bigger and bigger and bigger because their government government's regulating that you work with them. Now it's smart, but then now you have these giant companies that what are we going to do about it? They're buying up half of our companies here and it's being run by a communist government. And eventually if they decide they want to restrict what we watch, they already do that with the media industry. If they want to restrict what we what we are able to play and what we see when we play video games, they're now at a point where they can do that to a point. You know, through a lot of the companies that they own, Riot is owned by a Chinese company. Um, you know, very, these games that a lot of people play are owned by Chinese companies. If they want to tell that company you can no longer put these sort of things in your in your games, what what are they going to say? I mean. Their owner is telling them what they're going to do. There's no pushback. You, I mean, it, we, we've, put, we've set up a situation where they can come in and just say, this is no longer going to be in video games. And one thing that I find interesting, though, is China is not pro-LGBTQ. I think that, if anything, oh God, people anything that maybe have, if people have a little, have opposite type of thinking of what we do, really, you should be worried because... China just has put in bans on on representing LGBTQ in videos, and there's a whole bunch of restrictions that even just in the last couple of weeks they've put in for LGBTQ things. And so, if you're thinking that you you're you're happy that these communists are coming in and purchasing this, you're when when the, when the chopping block comes, you're the first ones on it. When, when it's something that they care about, they're not going to be having all this representation, like you like to say. Uh, in in the video game industry anymore and it's not even um it's not even just the lgbtq community china is an incredibly bigoted and racist country i think oh yeah they take the out black people from star posters. wars poster yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's the most jarring example of of the amount of cultural oppression in china so for you're right brian it's like all these all these big libs all these socialists mm -hmm. that are like oh china this china that it's like well Go visit China. No, they don't under it's not that you don't think, they don't understand. You're talking about one of the most I mean, them and like Iran are up there on some of the most oppressive countries in in the world that that exists yep. right now. So it's um it's definitely interesting to note, but I'll say this, you know, prior to prior to President Trump, you know, China just essentially was on uh on uh, uh, cruise control and autopilot. Nobody in the U.S. really wanted to stand up to them. The Obama administration removed a bunch of tariffs on China and allowed them more access to the Western world in terms of commerce. Trump was the first one, even in the GOP primary, to really bring up the risk that China is and continues to be. And Biden has done some stuff. He's tried, He tried to do the things with the CHIPS Act. That's going to end up coming back and biting him in the ass, to no surprise. Yeah. Um, but they really are a real risk, not only for video games and, and movies, but broader technology. 
silicon manufacturing and and chip manufacturing. I mean, there's a real risk that we've covered the stories. I don't know if on this show, but we've heard about them of, you know, companies like ZTE building backdoors into the to the network chip firmware, not into the OS, yep. not anything that would even be detectable, baked into the firmware of the the little silver connection where you plug an Ethernet cable in for backdoors. Yep. I mean, these guys are really, really smart. They know what they're doing, yep. and they're playing the long game. And uh, hopefully, yep. somebody can stand up to them because it's it's a terrifying. Uh, it's a terrifying process and future with uh, with our Chinese overlords hanging over our head. That's not something I'm interested in. Well, and let's let's talk about diversity here because this is something that what uh, this was at the beginning of this month when they said that first of all they couldn't the, the colleges can no longer use certain things to reject people. Affirmative and, action. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the affirmative action ruling according to the Washington Post, could be a blow to diversity in tech. Now, oh, darn. I understand <laughs> I understand that it might make it to where, you know, 50% of the people that get accepted into some colleges are no longer minorities. But you know what? The, the 50% of the applicants aren't minorities. So, I, you know, I think, that, I think that that's one thing that it was actually very unfair. And by the, a lot of people will have a, maybe a different opinion on that. No, but I just I think it's I think it's funny how they they don't correlate that that was unfair hiring practices. And when you say, well, then it's going to make it to where not as many minorities are getting hired into companies. No, it's just going to be mean that you're not unfairly blocking people of other races and other ethnicities from that list from being hired places. That's what it really came down to. It wasn't that you were making it more fair for them. You were just making it more fair for other people because there was nothing pre rejecting people, it, not for years now. I will say that back, you know, before the 80s and in older times, sure, there were things that where people would use bias and not accept people to colleges uh, purely based on bias or not allow people into schools based on bias. But I think that's something that went away, especially in the 90s, well, to where anybody could get into college. Yeah. And I mean, without getting too deep into the whole affirmative action thing, I mean, you looked at and one of the schools that was sued in this was uh, UNC, the University of North Carolina, mm -hmm. Chapel Hill, alongside Harvard. Um, and I followed this very closely and I've talked to a lot of experts on it. And, you know, in, a, in an attempt to be diverse, Brian, to the surprise of nobody, uh, they pushed the envelope too far and they ended up implementing bigoted policies to try and fit quotas and, and to hit levels. Yep. And it ended up creating a culture that was in fact bigoted and racist in which they would literally yep. treat Asian students differently. They were a much high. If yep. you were Asian, you had to compete at a significantly higher level than other students with different skin colors and different backgrounds. That is incredibly yep. bigoted. That is not equality. They claim that it is. Mm -hmm. It is not. It is bigotry. And the they problem is okay there's a difference that. between the, the equal outcome thing is what I think what people get confused on. You know, there, there's there's equal rights and, and there's equal opportunity, equal, um, opportunity yes. versus equal outcome. 100%. And what they're what they're trying to get is equal outcome. No, no, that's, that's not what it's about. Out, equal outcome isn't isn't how the world works. But you know what? Equal opportunity. I'm I'm fully for equal opportunity. Give Amen. everybody the opportunity 
to be able to get into college. But you know what? You might have to take high school a little bit seriously. You might have to study a little bit. You might have to try to do well at test scores so that you have the equal opportunity to go apply and be judged with everyone else equally. And that's what they didn't like. Because you'll hear Kamala Harris, our favorite narrator, talk about <sighs> diversity. <laughs> talk about equal <sighs> equal outcome. And that's oh, her Ryan. thing is she wants equal outcome. <laughs> you want somebody you know, it's like uh, saying somebody who has put no effort in, doesn't want to do any work, doesn't want to try, but you're demanding that they have the equal outcome to somebody who does their best and tries. Just like in sports, you got to have it to where the person who's willing to put in the legwork, the person who's willing to be uh, dedicated, motivated, disciplined, is the one who's going to get the playtime, but not in an equal out opportunity or out. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, not in an equal outcome type of a position. You then have to put the person who doesn't care, who doesn't try, out there just as much. And guess what? You end up losing. And that's where we've been for years now is we're starting to lose in industry, in tech, in competing against other countries that aren't doing this because we want equal uh, outcome, not equal opportunity. And that's what really drives me nuts is we're shooting ourselves in the foot. You wouldn't do it in sports, right? You, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't say, well, let's play the person who, who, do, who can't even, you know, <laughs> shoot a basket in for 50% of the game, you're guaranteeing a loss. And we're guaranteeing losses, but we're supposed to think that it's all good. Do Give everybody the opportunity to compete because just like in the, uh, uh, the early days of, uh, of computing, you had, you know, there's that, mo that movie that has the black women who, who were pioneers in math and computing. Uh, you know, they, they were given an opportunity and they were able to, to compete equally and it opened up that whole thing to where they people started being treated equally. And I think that there, if they would have, you know, that was the perfect example of that equal opportunity. They were given an opportunity and they excelled. It wasn't because it was handed to them. It wasn't because it was made easier for them. But they were able to compete. And you're making it, uh, what the racist part that I see is, is when you assume that a person who is a minority can't compete because they're a minority... That's racist. We have a term. Because there's plenty of people who can. Uh, the term. It is the soft bigotry of low expectations, Brian. And yes. it is one of my favorite phrases to use because that's precisely what it is. Um, it's that. Yep. And then on the flip side, you assume because of somebody's background that they are at a higher level and standard and you treat them differently. I, it's it's so amazing to me. And we got to get out of here. But I, it's it's so amazing to me that a group of people that claim to be uh, you know, we're not racist. We're not any of these things. Yep. We don't do stereotypes or anything like that are ones that are actively in, we're actively supporting and are now actively uh, encouraging schools to treat yep. people differently based on their skin. Based color. on their skin color. I, I, it, it really is. It really is unimaginable, Brian, that that is that it is. Those yep. are the same group of people, but they are now. Will this yep. hurt tech? Going back to the original uh, point of the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness, which is one of the most rag outlets in the entire world. Um, no, probably not, because if you're a competent no. person, whether that makes you a minority based on your gender, your race, your sex, whatever it might be, if you are, if you can perform in whatever you're going to school for, no, it shouldn't affect diversity at all. What it is going yep. to affect is diversity hires. And guess what, Brian? Diversity hires are bad for business, they're bad for consumers, and they're bad for industry.
There's no benefit of yep. propping up somebody who is not competent or capable just because of a box check. That is not beneficial to anybody involved. Case in point, take a look at our unbelievably, ridiculously stupid transportation secretary. He was he yep. was a diversity hire, and look at how boy, and look how much he screwed everything up. Doesn't work. Yep. Checking boxes doesn't lead lead to good situations or outcomes. Well, and that's where I think we've seen a lot in our current government is people being put into positions purely based off of what, that box. The luggage you know, okay, man person, or woman or whatever it is? Yeah, the the, 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 the person for the, nu- the nuclear yeah. whatever uh, nuclear waste, who, who uh, ended up yeah, going to jail. Yeah. The, the person, the secretary of health. I mean, all the, the, all these people that, that check boxes <laughs> that if you go look at our career, I saw a, a, a meme where it showed like four major countries, secretaries of health. And look like the most unhealthy people you've ever seen. Yet they're supposed to be telling the country how to be healthy. Rachel Levine, our <laughs> secretary. Like, yeah. When I think of health, yeah. I think of Rachel Levine. Yeah. Yeah. Great the, job, the, everybody. The we did of, it. Of mental and physical health. Yes. Jesus Christ. All right, Brian. Let's get out <laughs> right. of here. This is enough. You, you know, right. you had me all hyped up. Want to talking about tornadoes? <laughs> I was thinking of my favorite movie, and now you lead me down this rabbit hole. You are a bad influence, my friend. I just had to had to leave it in the gutter. And, well, if you want to find me, you can find me at Boise Computer on X.com, or if you want to go to uh, at Brian Aldrin on Gab, maybe Getter, uh, Truth Social, wherever else it's available. Uh, if you want to go check out my blog, biteoftech.com. And of course, if you go to our website, that's probably the best way that's still around. Uh, just join our server on Discord at infectionpodcast.com. There's a link right up there in the upper right. And it'll take you into a server where if you want to maybe play some ARC, we got 11 ARC servers running. We've got a, uh, a place that if there's show news that you want to post, go ahead and put a link in there. And we'll review that before the live show happens. And uh, politics and everything else that you can go participate or maybe just contact us directly. That's an excellent place. If you want to watch the live show, you can do that through Twitch or YouTube. You can watch the recording after the fact on Rumble, or you can go listen after the fact at whatever platform and device that you find uh, most convenient at the lower right. Uh, if you are doing that, you can go ahead and click on the particular show notes for the episode, and we have a video and audio player built into that page, and then links for everything that we referred to throughout that show. So maybe. We showed some videos in an episode, and you want to be able to see that, but you're listening to the podcast. That's a perfect place to go do that and still keep a look, kind of low bandwidth situation. If you want to support us, up top there's a menu option or infectionpodcast.com forward slash support. Brian, you also got some exciting uh, family news this week, no? Oh, yes. Um, so we did our gender reveal. I don't know if everybody knew uh, because we didn't announce it till fairly recently, uh, but my wife is pregnant again. This will be the final baby. <laughs> After that, it'll be the snip snip. Uh, don't, guaranteeing don't, why, that, but... why would you why, why i'm a young man i got my whole life ahead of me i don't want to be thinking about that brian come on i didn't believe me there's a point where i you just uh, uh, no more kids you can't um and so we're, we're gonna have a little girl we have uh we have a bunch Excellent. of boys in the house my wife is highly outnumbered and so we'll be bringing a little girl into the house and uh, i'm sure it'll change the dynam- dynamic quite a bit absolutely so well we're congratulations to, to you and tara and uh very very exciting thank you Thank you very yes, we are very excited. Thank you. And look at this. Maybe we could replace Brian with a female co-host and get some diversity in here. I'm I know. Much looking forward <laughs> I'll to start it. Training right, her. Thanks, <laughs> Brian. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you we'll next week. Uh, you can follow me on X as well. Look at this. At uh, Nicholas M. Craig. Yeah, not a big deal. A little blue check mark. Ninety dollars. That's what, that's what it'll get you. Uh, you can check out my daily antics at um, nickcraig.com. It's the Wilmington's Morning News podcast. If you missed any portion of today's show, don't forget to check out our website. It's infectionpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.